This is an AMI podcast. Are you ready? No. Let's go. From AMI Central. Now circling in the neutral zone. Here's the pitch on the way. 36 yards for the win. This. Here comes a big chance. The shot is. Is this the dagger? The neutral zone. Oh, oh my God. This is as good as it gets. Now, here's your host, two-time Paralympian, Rock Richardson. You know, as someone who has been in the media for, let's call it, seven years now, I've become such creature of habit, to the point that today I had to send umpteen reminders because one change happened in my schedule and I was worried that I was going to be late. And I am not late, I am here on time, as I should be, but when I have somebody else in my house that's not supposed to be there on a regular basis, you can get distracted rather easily. You're tuned in to another edition of The Neutral Zone. Welcome to the podcast-only edition of The Neutral Zone, as we were not live today due to AMI-audio's continuing coverage of the Paralympic Games. Alongside me this week is Claire Buchanan. Claire, how are you? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, Not liking this level of snow I'm seeing in the city today, but... um... I'm also trying to catch up on uh, my sleep. I don't know about you guys, but uh, watching uh, the Paralympics uh, really into the middle of the night um, has has thrown me off. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. I uh, I, I got into bed, uh, oh, let's say 12.30 on Thursday evening uh, after uh, Canada and Korea. Uh, played each other. It was uh, it was good. Needless to say, I'm feeling a little bit on the sleepy side, but all will be well. The games will be over at the end of the weekend, so hopefully we can catch up on some sleep at that point. Also joining us is Cam Jenkins. Cameron, how are you? I'm doing great. I have to agree with Claire. I'm watching the snow come down a little wee bit here in uh, Brampton, and it's going to be interesting to see what the snow's like. And yeah, uh, for the Paralympics, I'm watching it, but I'm doing it on uh, doing it on replay on the CBC Gem app. So, you know, not to um, uh, throw it in your faces, but I've been getting some good sleeps lately, which is uh, you know good for me because I usually don't. So, giddy up. <laughs> the the problem with okay, the problem with looking at this into CBC Gem is that uh, I always log on to social media. Newbie mistake in the morning and then I see the result of something that I wanted to watch. So I I need to learn better on how to handle this because clearly I'm a newbie. This has happened three or four times over the week and you'd think I'd learn after like the first two, but no. See I'm the, so. I'm the same way, Brock. I I check social media as soon as like that's kind of part of the start of my day. And I, I haven't been able to get into this habit or routine of, of not checking it and being able to one, get a good night's sleep and be able to uh, watch an event that has already happened. I I'm still in this mindset of, I, I got to watch it live. Yeah, I know. It's, yeah, uh, it's I don't know. I think that watching it on the replay is okay. And even if I know the score the next day, I still want to see uh, the actual game and how it got to that score, especially if it was super tight. So, I don't know. That's just me. Yeah, I also understand that. And I have caught games that I know the score of, so I'm right there with you. It's time to get into our headlines for this week. Let's do it. Well, let's take a look at how Canada is doing in the medal count for Beijing 2022. Uh, Canada currently has a total of 21 medals, with 7 of those being gold, 4 being silver, and 10 of those being bronze. Uh, I think that Canada has done an absolute superb job of... uh, you know, participating here in the Paralympics. Uh, I'm sure that there's going to be some more uh, medals to come. I'm not sure if we're going to end up beating our uh, 26 um, that we've done in a previous year. However, um, I think all of Canada should be proud of the Paralympians and how they've done uh, during the Paralympics. Despite all of the turmoil that is taking place in Ukraine, they are showing an unprecedented level of resilience with a total of 25 medals with nine with nine gold 10 silver and six bronze 
It's tough for me to use the word inspiring in the uh, disability community because sometimes it's used in the wrong context, in my opinion. And in this case, I feel like I should use the word inspiring because not knowing what your situation might be headed back home and still being able to have 25 medals total at this point is unbelievable. Congratulations, Ukraine. You've done an outstanding job for second place so far on the overall medal standings. As we reported last week, Russia and Belarus were removed from the Paralympic Games because of the growing animosity and threats of nations boycotting the Games if this action was not taken. Both nations agreed to leave the village willingly and peacefully. However, it has since been noted that these nations may take legal action after the Games conclude. They admitted that this was not the right timing to do so, but that's probably what their next steps are going to be. Let's check in on our Twitter poll. How do you think the Canadian Paralympic team will do in the medal count? 38% of you said less than 26. And the exact same uh, was tied with less than 26 as well at 31%. This week's question is, how have you been taking in the Paralympic Games? Your choices are on TV, CBC Gym, AMI-TV or audio. To cast your votes on this Twitter poll, here's how you can do it. All right, everybody, huddle up. There are five ways to get in touch with the Neutral Zone on Twitter. Number one, at AMI-audio. Number two, at Neutral Zone BR. Number three, at Neutral Zone CB. Number four, at Neutral Zone Cam J. And number five, at Jay Watson 200. Now get out there and tweet one for the gipper. We are pleased to be joined by Dominic Tremblay, who is a two-time Paralympian in track. He competed in Atlanta in 1996 and Sydney in 2000. He has now joined the technical side of the Paralympic Games as a former athlete. Dominic, welcome to the program. Thank you, and uh, thank you for having me, guys. Can we start by talking a little bit about how you became involved in parasport as an athlete? Oh, that's a long time ago. Um, so, you know, I have cerebral palsy. I always, uh, so I was born with a disability and I always loved sport. So, you know, I wanted to be a hockey player like everybody else when I was a kid, but, you know, couldn't put any skate on and, you know, trying to play in the NHL, put pushing a chair is not really successful. So that uh, dream went out the window. And uh, so when I uh, went to high school, there was a place where I could play wheelchair basketball and, and try different sports. So I started to play wheelchair basketball for fun. Uh, then I played some uh, wheelchair rugby, some badminton, some tennis, and uh, other sports. And that's how I became involved. And when I'm 1992, I was in college. And at the time, I found out that um, a guy from Nigeria was not able to attend the Olympic qualifier for his, his country. And uh, because he couldn't put his two hands behind the, uh, the starting line, and he ended up going to the Paralympic Games and won two gold medals and broke all the world records that were at the time. So I figured, yeah, the Paralympic Games is something that, you know, I could do. And I started doing wheelchair racing. And so I did my first competition, national competition in 1992 in November in Toronto, Vardy Village. Uh, you may know that place. And then I was selected to be on the national team shortly after that and i attended my first uh, international competition in 93 so that's all how, how it started before we turn things into your current role at the summer paralympic games can you tell us a little bit about your experience as an athlete at the paralympic Games? to to be an athlete at the paralympic game it, it's quite an experience um you know paralympic sports works in, uh, with a lot of classification. Uh, in track and field, my classification uh, is T34. So 
the last classification that used a wheelchair to, to move around the track. Uh, I'm not in the highest part of the classification in the T34, so I'm not the best uh, athlete uh, in that category. Um, if you look at my results at the Paralympic Games, uh, I always finished last, um, but uh, I figured that, you know, I took a retired in, in 2000 and for 2004 and 2008, my classification was cut out because there was not enough athlete. So I'm the sole reason why the classification was cut out or anyway, that's the excuse I use. Um, but it was quite an experience. I really loved uh, Paralympic Games and this is why I wanted to stay involved in sports because you know, sport is my life and it always has been and always will be. Can you talk to us a little bit about when you developed your interest in becoming involved in the technical side of the games? After the uh, Sydney Paralympic Games, I stayed two years in Australia. I did a, I studied a little bit there, uh, worked in different places, but I always have the syndrome of what I want to do when I grow up. I studied to become a journalist when I was in college. I worked uh, four years for the uh, Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, in Ottawa, the French side, for the, in a sport department. But when I came back from Australia, you know, I did not really want to go back to work as a journalist. I wanted to do something else. And I received a phone call from uh, Quebec's Wheelchair Sports Association at the time. And, and they were looking for somebody to work uh, as a communication uh, coordinator or something of that nature. And, and I said, yeah, I would like to do that, try it, to give it a go. And, and then after that contract ended up seven months later, there was an opening to be a communication uh, coordinator again at the uh, Canadian Wheelchair Basketball Association. And, and I got the job in Ottawa. And so I did that for probably a year, year and a half. And when that contract went, went over, the Canadian Civil Policy Sports Association came and says, um, are you looking for a job? Uh, and I said, yes, again. And that was the organization that uh, was responsible for, for my sport when I was uh, on the national team. So they knew me, they knew what I was able to do. And they were looking for somebody in, in communication and also help with the admin on the national team, the Bocce national team at the time. And I said, yeah, okay, I'll do that. And that's how I started. And then I became more and more involved with uh, the administration of the national team, uh, the Canadian national team. And I really loved uh, doing that. And I think that if I knew that, you know, sports administration existed, when I was in high school or beginning of college, that's probably the route that I would have taken uh, knowing at the time. So um, sport admin is really uh, the type of job that I like to do. And, and that's, that's how I became that, doing that. Dom, was there a level of comfortable uh, with the, um, you know, the, the organization with Bocce, the Canadian Cerebral Policy Sports Association, because you had known them, you'd played with them, or would you have taken that job regardless, do you think? Well, when you always, uh, lo you're looking for a job, uh, any position uh, you would take uh, without, with a few exceptions, I'm guessing. However, um, the Canadian Civil Policy Sports Association knew, knew me and I knew them. So there was a, yes, there was a level of comfort. Um, I didn't know much at the time about bocce. Uh, I knew sport in general. And I, that's how I became involved in the administration of, the, of bocce in general. Uh, maybe before the, the games in, 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 in Athens in 2004, where I was a, media at the Schaefer Canadian team. I, I rarely seen any bocce competition, but um, in 2005, when I started with 
with the Canadian CB Sports. That's how I really jumped into working with the bocce team and it never stopped since. Uh, so that that's, yeah, I think there was a level of comfort, yeah. Can you talk a little bit about your role with the uh, BizFed, which is known as the Bocce International Sports Federation? So the uh, BizFed uh, is is a fairly new federation. Um, so in 2012, uh, Bocce, which was at the time under the CP Israel, the Cerebral Palsy Sports Association, um, umbrella at the time, but they decided to become an independent sport. And in Canada, I was uh, very interested about competition structure and, and how you would qualify a team uh, to the Paralympic Games and, and tournaments and ranking and all that stuff. And, and there was a few people around the world that knew my interest for that. And the uh, so BISFED uh, came in, in 2012 when I was uh, at the Paralympic Games in, in London. They came and see me and says, would you be interested to become a volunteer for the, the association and, and work to try to increase the competition opportunity for athletes that plays bocce? And, and I said, yes, because this, this is what I always wanted for for botch athletes is the opportunity to play more and showcase the talent of those athletes. So that's how I started, I get involved. I, I became a member of the board of the Federation in 2013. I became a part-time staff in, in 2015. And in 2017, I became a full-time staff and I never left. We're joined by Dominic Tremblay, who is a two-time Paralympian in track, and he's also involved in the technical side of bocce on the Paralympic side, and you're listening to The Neutral Zone, and I'm alongside Josh Watson, and of course, I'm your host, Brock Richardson. Now, between being an athlete and now being on the technical side, you do have a lot of experience with different Paralympic Games. I'm curious, what do you believe is the biggest change from your first Paralympic Games as an athlete to today's Games? I would say purely awareness uh, is people that are more aware of the Paralympic Games that today that it was when I started. Uh, you know, I competed in the 1996 Paralympic Games and we had a two-hour show on the CBC a month and a half after the competition. Today, we see uh, you know, daily uh, stories coverage of the Paralympic Games. You know, it, it, it is night and days between uh, what it was and what it is today. Obviously, we always want to see more, but um, that is just... Uh, the big difference is the awareness of, of the general public that at least the Paralympic Games exist. And, and that made a big difference. And where do you see the Paralympic Games as a whole being most successful at? I think the, uh, the awareness and the knowledge that people with disability can do, can do many, many things that can do a lot of th many things outside of sport also. But sport is a is a um, a way to to bring uh, the awareness of of the needs of different people with disability around the world. Uh, the International Paralympic Community has created a, a an awareness program, We the Fifteen, to increase the visibility of the fifteen percent of people with disability around the world. And I think that is the, the most important thing that the uh, Paralympic movement will bring to people with disability around the world. Uh, I think that in Canada, we're pretty lucky in general that you know, we can go to school and you know, we can have a family and we can work and, and make a living. But in, in, other, in other countries, you know, being a disabled, being disabled is a burden 
for most of uh, of the the villages and the and the families around the world and and become a Paralympian, help them yeah see that they can be somebody and be important to to their family and be able to work and be able to to be a provider for the family and not somebody that always asks for charity and 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 have pity for all the time. Now, of course, every organization, no matter how good it is, always does have some areas that they can improve on. Where do you see the Paralympics needing to improve the most? That's a good question. I'm always the type of guy that see the glass half full instead of half empty. So I think that there needs to be more awareness and more television coverage. And just try to keep building. Like I, I, yes, I told that you know there's a big improvement of what the Paralympic Games were are now compared to what it was in the past. But there still needs to be improvement in that regard. We're still a little bit at the expense, like at the um, needs of the Olympic uh, International Olympic Committee. You know, that we probably the IPC or the International Paralympic Committee cannot survive with the help of the International Olympic Committee. And I think that that we need they need to be a little bit more independent and start growing as a whole as an organization and be a little bit more independent by itself and by uh, being an, an organization that promotes uh, awareness and, and that people with disability uh, is is important, then uh, it will get in that direction, I believe. Um, if if you're looking at this from a perspective of, you know, whether an athlete or as a, on the technical side, where have you most enjoyed um, going to, and why? I really loved. Uh, living in Australia. Um, I was there for 27 months after the Sydney Paralympic Games. Um, it is, you know, Australia, people in Australia are a lot like people from Canada, but without the snow. And, and, and for me, that's a big plus. Um, unfortunately, it's a bit, a bit far from, you know, my family and, and where I'm from. So I decided to come back. But I think Australia is the country that I really uh, enjoy the most. But anywhere I go, I always try to uh, soak up the culture and try to learn different things about where I go. So for me, every every place that I go, it, it has something that I learn from and something that you know I will cherish. So uh, it's difficult to really pick a place other than than Australia. Australia is certainly on my bucket list, that's for sure. Uh, now, if you could pick anywhere in the world that you have not gone for a Paralympics, I'm curious what you would pick and why. Well, uh, I think the next place on my bucket list, talking of, of bucket list, would be uh, Africa. Um, I've I never been to that continent, so... Um, it is a place that that is very very different from 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 Canada, so I look forward to to visit there. I hope that uh, it will happen uh, this year if I'm lucky and if all the stars are aligned. But if it's not working this year, uh, I, I'll try to go in the near future. That's for sure. Dom, I think one of the the biggest let's call it misnomers is that. When you get to these games, you know, whether it's Olympic, Paralympic, it's like, oh, it always looks like a well-oiled machine. It, it runs so well. It, you know, it, it just it, the athletes are there. They compete, etc. Can you talk a little bit about what goes into putting on an event and how early are we talking in preparation for events and that it's not just, oh, two weeks before we throw this together and Bob's your uncle and let's move on. Uh, it takes years and years of preparation. 
um, you know, I've been involved at working in a, for an international federation and, you know, we start discussion with uh, OSA organizing community for major events, uh, you know, three to four years uh, before the competition happens and we go and visit um, the venues, the the accommodations, the, all the, the little things that, that we need. We go and visit, uh, you know, two to three times a year uh, in that period. And we have meeting with uh, a numerous and list of people. Uh, and it's, it's, it's a very, very big task. Um, and again, where I've, we are uh, somewhat lucky because they host a, a test event before the Paralympic Games or any, uh, you know, Parapan-American Games or anything like that. That's called the Olympics. So they already have uh, some knowledge of, you know, uh, putting a competition because you know, a competition is, is a competition. The only thing that different is the, the different particularity of, of the sport. But uh, so even if we, and if we didn't have that, uh, the experience of the people that work for OSA organizing community uh, of the Olympic Games, it would be even more work. So I think it's 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 not something that you can put in inside two weeks. It's it's a you know three three years work of of hard work to to make a, a game successful. Yeah, and folks, I I just want to put out there, uh, and Dom, you can you can jump in and correct me if I'm wrong, but. We're not just talking about international events and Paralympic Games and all those things that, you know, it takes a long time. Even you put on a national level competition, it, it takes time and it's, you know, it, it doesn't just happen overnight. And there's many volunteers, staff and all those things that, that go into that. And I've been a part of many national events and international events. And Dom and I have known each other for a long time because I was involved in in bocce and one of the things that dom was famous for at national championships was okay if you haven't filled out your sheets for the uh, national team here they are and do them now or forever hold your peace and so it you know it just and i can hear you laughing yeah. in the background but the truth is, <laughs> yeah. is is that's where it started like you know you finish the the, the championships is like oh congratulations but here are forms you have to fill out if you want to compete and so yeah just... i'm always two or three competitions ahead when when one is finished i'm already thinking about you know not the next one but the one after that right uh <laughs> because you know there's there's booking for hotels and plane tickets and registration and you know the athletes have the easy life they just have to throw balls or run around the track or wheel around the track but you know we we as administrator we have to make sure that the athletes have what they need to perform at their best all the time so that takes time and that takes preparation and you know uh, we need to make sure that the athletes uh, have feel what they have to feel and do what they have to do to make sure that we serve them well uh, folks we would we would take bets back in the day of how long it would take Dom to come rolling over to you with a pile of sheets to fill out and make sure your passport was all done. And it was pretty quick after national yeah. national championships, no. you know, because a lot goes into it. Nope, not playing around. No, no, absolutely not. Uh, Dom, thanks so much for uh, joining us, and we hope to have you on again in the future. It was a pleasure, guys. Thank you. That was Dominic Tremblay, who is a two-time... Paralympian and also is involved in the technical side of many international games and Paralympic games as well. I am Brock Richardson alongside Cam Jenkins and Claire Buchanan. Guys, let's uh, talk more in depth about the uh, Paralympic games. First of all, I would love to get your thoughts on the coverage of the games overall, whether it's online or CBC in general. You guys take your pick. Uh, Cameron, why don't you go first on this one? Um, well, I kind of want to uh, go through uh, the varying ways that it's on, um, you know, online or on TV. Um, I think that uh, the wrap-up show um, that they're doing on CBC um, 
you know, is okay. I, I wish, obviously, that they would uh, have more games and more coverage on the actual CBC network. Um, unfortunately, they don't. Um, I think the best place to watch it that I've watched it is on the CBC Gem app. And that's been fantastic because uh, they have the days, um, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, all when you click on one of the days. And then they have all of the um, uh, all of the um, sports there on the replay or they show you to you when it's going live. So. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely um, very good how they've got that. Sorted out, Claire. Your thoughts? I I personally do not have uh, cable TV, so I both for the both for the Olympics and the Paralympic Games, uh, I have been strictly uh, heading towards the CBC Gem app. And and like Cameron said, it's it's easily accessible. Uh, it has everything laid out for you day by day, uh, sport by sport. You can go back and rewatch uh, certain events and. Uh, yeah, it's just been a really good coverage of the games. We, after the Olympic Games ended, um, of course, the conversation of how much coverage we would see of the Paralympic Games, because uh, we constantly are battling to have equal representation in terms of broadcasting. And um, yeah, it's it's been fantastic just to be able to go to the app and and pick a pick an event that that I want to see and and be able to watch it uh, without any any troubles and I'm really glad that uh, that that has happened because like I said um, it's something that we we fight for as as disabled athletes we we work and train just as hard as as the other athletes in the Olympics like you know Brock and uh, to see that we are able to to follow not only the entire games but uh, we can watch our our teammates and friends compete and uh, that a few years ago wasn't an option yeah I, I couldn't agree with you more um, this is what I will say about the coverage for one I think what CBC has done, particularly on the online realm with CBC Jam and the CBC Sports app, I think it is an outstanding platform. Very, very, very accessible. Uh, whether you have uh, dexterity challenges, whether you're blind and partially sighted or a combination of both, it's just, it's a really well laid out app. Here is where I have the problem. When I tune into CBC and what they've done on the television, I see primarily two sports. One, para-ice hockey, and the other, wheelchair curling. And although I love both sports, and I can understand the argument of, oh, well, it's the marquee sports, etc., etc. If you want society as a whole to take in the Paralympic Games and understand the Paralympic Games, and understand it goes further than to sports for those individuals who aren't as familiar with um, social media and apps and things like that, you would want to have more of a broad um, look at the games. Because right now, if I'm only watching it on television, I'm looking going, is there only two sports, Claire? And that's kind of where I have the biggest challenge. Yeah, absolutely. I Like I said, I... I don't have the option of live TV. And um, as a viewer, uh, that would be extremely frustrating. I I would hope to be able to see multiple events. Uh, I've been watching, yes, I've been watching mostly uh, the sledge hockey tournament, but um, I have a couple friends that are competing in sit ski. And I just to find out that if I was only strictly turning to my live TV options that I might not have been able to catch them compete at all. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's the problem we're having. Um, Canada has really done quite well on the slopes. Um, and, and it's just been a really interesting thing to watch. Uh, Brian McKeever got his 14th Paralympic medal, which is Amazing. Molly Jepson has uh, two medals to her name as well. Claire, are you surprised that the slopes have done as well as they've done for the Paralympic Games? Not at all. Like 
coming into these games, we knew though, like those two names right there, they, they were fighting to do really well in these games and they, they, they achieved that. And, uh, I've, I've seen and heard that a lot of the athletes competing on the slopes and on the snow are, are saying that the snow in China is, is harder to compete on. And it's just a different feel that they're used to. So to be able to go into an environment like that, that it feels a lot different than what you're used to is incredible. These, these athletes are adapting to their environment and still coming out uh, onto the podium. It's, it's incredible. Um, With the slopes team that it's not just the uh, veterans that are, that are producing it's, it's exciting to see what the next uh, four to eight years are going to produce in terms of uh, slope and snow style athletes in Canada. Yeah, it's um, it's really, really cool to watch. And I love uh, the pair of snowboarding and what I've seen there. Uh, I want to switch gears to uh, the para ice hockey team, which has garnered a lot of conversation. They started with um, the United States and they lost 5 nothing. Really didn't look very good at all uh, during that game. And then they played Korea. Uh, once in the round robin and then once in the semifinal. Claire, your thoughts on the men's para ice hockey program? Because I know I certainly have some. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of opinions being thrown around. Uh, honestly, when I when I think about it, um, go, even before the games, uh, you saw kind of behind door closed doors, uh, if you are connected kind of in the sledge hockey community, that the U.S. had a few camps here and there spread out throughout the year or two. And then Canada decided to go with a month-long centralization in Calgary. And that right there, those two styles of ways to come into the games, quote unquote, prepared, um, that makes me think a little bit of like, are the Canadian boys burnt out mentally, physically? Um, it's a it's a very different looking team than what we're used to. Uh, the last few games is there's, I believe, seven rookies on the team. Uh, we have Adam Dixon that hasn't been on the team for a little bit, and he's back. Um, there's a, a new backup goalie in net, and uh, I mean, speaking of the backup goalie, I. I would hope that he would have gotten a little more reps um, during the tournament. I I, I know that uh, everyone's fighting for a medal here, and um, but at the end of the day, like all of your players need reps in order to be prepared, and it's it's going to be a very very interesting gold medal game between these two countries because uh, Canada said it themselves. Like Tyler and Billy both said it in interviews that the U.S. is the team to beat, and so. Um, they have to go out there and prove that they can do that because they they have not done that yet. Uh, here are my thoughts on the uh, para ice hockey team. It's all well and good what we're seeing from them play Korea. Do I agree with the fact that they played the United States right off the hop? No, I don't. I think that that was unfair to both sides. I think that you know they should have gotten a. Uh, they both should have played Korea before they played Canada. I understand that. Um, but Canada has not looked good. And I love Paul Rosen, and I love Paul Rosen for what he's done with the game and all these things. But I simply don't agree with the, let's all be positive and call this roses and sunshines, and, oh, it was just one game, not a big deal. Um, no, this is not just one game. The last time the team has won gold medals in the uh, games is 2006. The U.S. are running over them in games. They are taking more quality shots. Um, And you can see this. Uh, I personally don't think that Canada has it in them to win the gold medal. I hope that I'm wrong. I think if they don't, you're going to see some significant changes uh, in, in that regard for them. because. 
they just look intimidated by by the United States and not just this Paralympics. You're talking world championships. They've just looked like the better team, the faster team, and the quality of shots just isn't there during the the U.S. games. And and you could say Korea is starting to uh, step themselves up, um, but you know the quality between Canada, U.S., and then Korea is not the same. So I don't know that an eleven nothing game is uh, you know something you can say oh we we right the ship because prove it to me. Uh, tomorrow, Saturday, at eleven o five p.m., and all will be lost. All will be forgotten if, in fact, they do win the gold medal. But I just simply don't see it. Any comments, Claire? Before we move on to the curling, just quickly. Absolutely. I actually have a question. Um, I would love your opinion on this question because it makes me think of if they don't win the gold medal this year. Is it? Is it time to? make a change, not just within the team and the players, but do we need to make a change in the coaching staff and the head office? Because for one, there isn't enough coaches out there that uh, coach sledge hockey at that high level. Like these coaches got brought in with a lot of experience and a lot of knowledge of the stand-up game. And they had to adapt and, and learn the game of sledge hockey, uh, Right off the bat. And yes, Canada has been and still is one of the powerhouses of the sport. But in the next four to eight years, you're going to see teams like South Korea, China, the Czech Republic. I know Germany's not in the games right now, but I watched them during world championships. That's another team that you have to look out for in the next four to eight years. It's the gap is closing and is Canada ready to make the change within their team and their culture of, okay, what do we need to change in order to uh, be better hockey players? Because they're not producing like they should. No. And I think it goes further than just coaching. I think it does go deeper into the players themselves. Cameron, I know you would have a lot to say on this para ice hockey program. Go ahead. Uh, well, as far as the pair of ice hockey, and uh, as I understand, we're talking about the women's game, and um, I, I think that it's slowly growing to where it needs to go um, because it needs to be in the Paralympics. And as I understand, uh, we can't get it there by 2026, but hopefully by 2030, uh, we can get it there um, because there's just so many opportunities for so many different countries uh, to be able to uh, play this great game of para ice hockey so i really hope that um you know more countries i think canada has been at the forefront of getting other countries to play um with the uh, women's coach uh, tara chisholm and i hope a lot more people keep reaching out to tara and the other players on the team as well uh, so they can figure out how to develop uh, from the grassroots up uh, to be able to have, uh, you know, great programs. And there's already some of them showing uh, with the women's uh, hockey that I've seen, uh, you know, um, from what I've seen as well. So uh, it's coming. Uh, it's just not happening as fast as I would like it. And uh, I just really hope that it comes sooner rather than later because uh, the women's game it is phenomenal. I agree. Um, yeah, we were just kind of talking a little bit as well about the uh, – men's team and how is it time if they don't win gold on Saturday night to make a change far beyond just the coaching staff is it time to look at your core group and make a separation there um I, I think it would be um I don't know about coach Fabi and how many cycles he's had uh, for the Paralympic Games or World Championships uh, but I think at the end of the day the Americans they are just so quick and they get in on the forecheck, and they're really good at pressuring Canada. And I don't think that Canada is as good at doing that as the Americans are. Um, you know, and they also have Declan Farmer, who arguably, I would say, is one of the best, uh, you know, para ice hockey players in the world right now. So um, either you have to figure out a way how to stop uh, the states from being able to, um, you know, go in on the puck so quickly on the defenseman. Um, and 
somehow be able to stop that because that's how they're, in my opinion, how they're winning a lot of their games is just their speed and their forecheck on the puck. So um, you might have to change some of the players in order to, you know, uh, be able to do that. Um, you know, it, it's really hard because I, I don't know in Canada for the men, you know, what other players are out there. Do you need like the Billy Bridges where he has such a great shot, but he's really heavy on his checks. Do you need more of those types of people on Team Canada rather than, you know, uh, some of the speedy people that they might have? Or do you need a lot more speed um, and not necessarily the heavy checkers? It's, uh, you know, I think the game, uh, you know, from the NHL on down, it's all about speed now. So I think you really need to have the speediest players on team Canada um, that can shoot really well and be able to stop on a dime and, you know, be able to shoot that puck. This is China's first Paralympic games. That team only started five years ago. They, they started in 2017 and their, their entire game is based off of their speed. They, they knew coming into this games that, if their puck handling and shooting wasn't up to par yet, that they had to be able to skate with everybody. And, and they've proven that they, they're, they're fighting for a medal. Now their first Paralympic games and they're fighting for a medal. And honestly, yes, I'm excited to watch Canada and us play because that is always an exciting game, but I'm really excited to watch the South Korea and China game, because these are two yeah. teams that are, are about to break into those top spots and, and be teams to be worried about. And, it makes me question is, is this, should the Greg Westlakes and the Billy Bridges, um, should this be their last games? Because Greg Westlake didn't produce a point or a goal until last night. Yeah, and Billy Bridges, again, it, it took him a couple of games yeah. to get that monkey off his back. And it's, I, I think that the, the game moving forward, yes, you need some heavy hitters in, in, on your defense and, and kind of in the neutral zone, but these guys got to be fast. The Americans yeah, along sure. with their amps, um, they, you, you got to be able to stay with them. Clara, another point, you know, I want to quickly make if uh, that's possible is that, um, you know, with a lot of the Americans, um, a lot of them, and I don't mean to sound cold when I say this, but they are amputees. So I wonder how much of it is, is that they have a lot more muscle tone or uh, muscles uh, than compared to some of uh, the other players that might have spina bifida, as an example, because that's a, a big one that a lot of sledge hockey players uh, have as well. Um, I wonder if that makes a huge difference if you have basically all amps on a team compared to, you know, some of the other disabilities that people have and if that's an advantage. Yeah, no, that's a great question. I, I myself have spina bifida and um, there are some things that I do have to work extra hard for to get on the same level as, say, someone um, with a with a lower injury or that is an amputee. Um, yeah, there's just a lot more, your center of gravity is different. Uh, yeah. Your body, your body is built different. Like you're absolutely right, Cameron. Yeah. I mean, I will say this about talking to Josh Watson, uh, one of our other colleagues on the program. He said the very same thing to me uh, the other night on the phone. And he said, you know, much the same as you, Cameron, that he doesn't want to be you know, insensitive, but that is the true fact of something that's, you know, going on or what's happening. So yeah. I agree. I think that that helps you with your speed. It it helps you, you know, in different ways that other people don't necessarily have to focus on whatsoever. So it's, it's yeah. definitely a good US conversation. Team. Yeah, with the U.S. Paralympic team, I think a lot of the recruits that they have, um, you know, is from their armed forces uh, as well. So, um, yeah, and combined with having a, a disability where uh, you may not be able to work out as hard or get your muscles to uh, be where they need to be. Um, yeah, I just wonder if that's a, a factor. and Maybe Canada needs to also... Um, you know, get more people, uh, you know, from the Canadian forces or look at amputees uh, in order to improve. That's exactly yeah. what my comment was going to be, Cameron, is I like you, I don't even hear about uh, the Canadian program tapping into uh, our veteran services and stuff. So I think that's definitely an untapped uh, 
market, if, if you will, um, for for the Paralympic Games, not just any not just any sport, but sledge hockey specifically. And you know what? It's they're really good. Um, there's a lot of good storylines with that as well. When you hear those stories, I mean, I'm fascinated every time there's a broadcast of like, you know, the storylines of how you hear people were. Uh, you know, this happened to people, how they lost their legs, etc. And I do think that that would help Canada with their speed. The other team that I just wanted to give a quick shout out to was the uh, wheelchair curling uh, team. They got off to a 4-0 start and then kind of hit a few bumps in the road and ultimately ended up winning a bronze medal. That team is totally consistent, totally um, aware of what they've done. They've done five Paralympic Games with a total of three three gold medals and two bronze. So that team right there is a solid team and congratulations to them and congratulations to everybody who has at this point gotten 21 medals in total and we know the hockey team will get another one. Before we wrap up, are we getting gold or are we getting silver in hockey tomorrow night, Cameron? Well, I'm staying up for it, so and it's going to be past my bedtime, so they better darn well get gold. Uh, yeah, I I hope we come home with the gold. Uh, if I was a betting person, which I'm not, uh, I would I would bet on the U.S. Uh, I I really think Canada has a lot to uh, to do and grow within their their program. So uh, hopefully the boys come come away with it. But uh, I'll definitely be up watching. Yeah, I'll be up watching, and unfortunately, I see a silver medal and big changes coming along. That is the end of our show for this week. I'd like to thank Claire Buchanan, Cam Jenkins. I'd also like to thank our technical producer, Matt Agnew. Our technical supervisor is Paula Deneen, and our manager of AMI-audio is Andy Frank. Enjoy the last weekend of the Paralympic Games. It'll be fun. Talk to you next week when we return live at 4 p.m. Eastern. Stay safe and be well. Be well.